Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jaguar, the 2008 Community Access Television Rookie of the Year, and the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show on the network and JiggyJaguar.com. Oh, it's a hell of a deal today. Dr. Herb London's going to join us here in just a second here on our big broadcast. And also Jay Izzo will join us back. But we are going to go to Dr. Herb London. The big star. Star stage and screen, Dr. Herb London, as they say. As I say, as they say. Somebody says... Hello. There's Dr. Herb London. How are you, my friend? It's James Lowe. How are you? Well, how are you? Very nice to hear your voice. Now, uh, give me about two seconds here, and I'm going to bring in our co-host... Dr. Jay Izzo, and uh, we are going to be chatting with you today, my friend, about uh, there's there, there's been a lot happen over the last uh, couple days with this news story about Pence walking out after the players took a knee, and uh, with us today yep. is our sports culture analyst, our good friend, Dr. Herb London. He's the president of the London Center for Pulse Research and an avid sports enthusiast, and uh, he's with us today here on Skype Audio. Also, Jay Izzo, I believe, joins us as well. Now, um, what, what? Give us your thoughts on this whole thing with Vi- Vi- Vice President Mike Pence walked out on his home state of Indianapolis uh, when members of the opposing team kneeled for the national anthem. Pick it up from there, my friend. Well, uh, again, the president, the vice president, walked out. Some people argue that this was all a setup. I don't think that it was. I think the vice president was truly appalled at the behavior of the 49ers team. And my feeling is that the vice president conducted himself properly. And let me explain why. The players certainly are entitled to their First Amendment rights. That goes without saying. Yes. I mean, everyone in America has a First Amendment right, so they are no different. But I also have a First Amendment right, as does the vice president. And my First Amendment right suggests that I will no longer watch an NFL game. I no longer care about football teams that engage in a disrespect of the United States flag, its tradition, and our national anthem. So, for me, I will exercise my rights in that way. It's very interesting that Bob Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, made the comment that sports unite, politics divides. Well, the one question I have, if politics divide, why would you want to insert politics into sports? (laughs) When I go to a New York Giants game, when I go to a New York Giants game, and I I used to love the Giants, when I go to a New York Giants game, I sit in the stands, I don't ask if people are Marxists or Libertarians or Democrats or Republicans, it makes no difference. All I care about, are you with the Giants, or are you with the opposing team? <laughs> and so uh, my feeling is that sports, sports is a remarkable way of bringing people together. But if you're now saying, you know something, now you have to determine whether, in fact, you're going to identify with the players who put a foot on the, uh, a knee on the ground during the course of the national anthem, that's a very different kind of concern. And the other part about this that strikes me as quite interesting If, in fact, you have a gripe against the United States, its government, or its people, there are so many ways to express your opinion. Get a soapbox, go to the local park, 
stand up on that soapbox and deliver your speech. If you are, do not feel that that's adequate, there are always the opportunity to run for local office. And if that's not good enough, run for national office. And if that's not good enough, start writing a column for your local paper, or at the very least, letters to the paper. And again, the arguments that have been used by the players are also false arguments. What emerged in St. Louis, for example, this whole business with Michael Brown, who supposedly said, uh, hands up, don't shoot, that didn't occur. That's a complete lie. That's a fabrication. Mr. Brown, who was more than 300 pounds, even though just a teenager, reached for the gun of the police officer. And he is a very big fellow. Police officer said, do not charge at me. He did. He charged at him. And so he got shot and was killed. That is terrible. There's no question about it. But if you were a police officer, what would you do under those, those circumstances? Now, I'm not trying to engage in the replay of the events that occurred in, uh, in, in the past. What I am suggesting is that at least understand the facts behind the position you're taking. Understand the conditions that were responsible. It is something on the order of eight times more likely that a black youth will kill a police officer than a police officer will kill a black youth. I don't want to see anyone get killed. I don't want to see black or youth get killed. I don't want to see police officers get killed. But it strikes me we do not have any understanding who maintains law and order in the United States. And it is the police officers of the United States. They put themselves on the line, sacrifice their lives very often, in order to maintain tranquility in America. We ought to understand that, appreciate that, and also come to the conclusion we should be doing everything in our power to support these people, not undermine their roles. Jay, jump in there, my man. I know you've got some questions for the doctor. Well, uh, you know, it's hard to really comment when you, Dr. London, when you are so correct. <laughs> you know, it's really, it really is. It's very difficult. It's really difficult for me to say, well, what do you, I mean, outside of you want to, you know, go stand up in a cheer for you. I mean, it's really hard to, to come up with something that's, you know, so, well, can I challenge you on this or that piece? Because I think this this is largely the problem that we have in our country today, is that the good guys have become the bad guys, the good guys. And by the way, this was if if we do our history lesson, and we go back to World prior to World War II, this yeah. was kind of this that was being thrown around then, right? We wanted a racial. They want. They were trying to incur a racial war. They were also trying to incur that the police were the bad guys, and the bad guys were the ones who were really good, but we didn't know it, and so we had this romanticized period, even with the mafia. I mean, let's be honest, we did. And so, from the 20s to the 40s. So, I mean, I, to me, this is a cyclical thing again, where we, we, people just assume that they want to get rid of law and order. And that because if we get rid of law and order, I get to do what I want. But what they don't understand is total chaos is the next thing that ensues. And when you have total chaos, there is there is no there's nothing. It then it then it's going to become something awful. And and that's that's basically what happened. I mean, right? Am I right or am I wrong on that? Well, I what? think you stated it very well, very well indeed. Look, uh, there is a natural equation that occurs in in political life whether it's in the United States or elsewhere, and that's the freedom security equation. On the one hand, you want freedom to the extent that it's possible, but you also have to understand in order to maintain that freedom, you must have some degree of security. 
If, in fact, you have freedom that's out of control and becomes chaos or anarchy, then, in fact, you need more security. And, in fact, if you have too much security, then, of course, you impinge on freedom. So, again, it's how do you maintain that balance. One of the things we cannot overlook is the fact that police officers, and, of course, there are cranks in the police, office, police officers' corps, as well as maybe 1% that act inappropriately. But, by and large, most of the cops are reasonably well-trained. Most of them are respectful, and they also tend to reflect the communities in which they reside. So you have a fairly large minority population within the police force. And again, this whole idea that somehow there's going to be an adverse effect based on racial characteristics is simply untrue. That's just not the case. Heather McDonald has pointed this out in article after article. So again, what you have to look at, what are the conditions that exist in the United States? We are a very fortunate nation to be able to live in a free country. But at the same time, the country will not remain free if, in fact, we allow chaos to occur in so many of the cities of this country. And if you look at what's happened in the south side of Chicago, you do not live as a free person in the south side of Chicago. No. And the reason for that is you do not know whether walking your child to school might lead to a murder in the morning. You cannot sure. be sure about that. And so this is a remarkable set of conditions which only the security provided by the police force can remedy. And that's, I think that's part of the problem. We in the United States have kind of overlooked the obvious. Yeah, but, but, but okay. And, and you're right. You're absolutely, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. But the problem is that we, the very group that says don't stereotype me is now stereotyping another group. Well, that's right? a good point. I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. right? I mean, and what has happened here is, is the assumption that all whites act in the same way. Look, when the events, terrible events occurred in Charlottesville, I kept raising a, a kind of curious question with myself, going through a period of self-reflection. Do I identify with these skinheads and Nazis? Of course not. I mean, maybe they represent .00001 of the American population. And do I identify with those people who are antagonizing them who represent a kind of paid professional anarchist group? Well, they represent point zero 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 one, And so I don't identify with either one of them. But the point is that even if you were to read the New York Times or the major publications, leading to the conclusion that somehow this country is divided between these two groups, this is a thorough misallocation of understanding because they do not represent me. They do not represent 98% of Americans. They do not represent where we stand as a nation. And to use Charlottesville as an illustration of an America divided is absurd. Sure, America is divided, but not between those two groups, I can assure you. Democrats no. and Republicans see the world differently. There's a divide, but not between the skinheads and the, and the professional anarchists. Agreed. A uh, matter of fact, this whole, there's so much going on. I'm a sports guy. Right, I mean, I love football. I played football in college and and a little bit beyond. And I I love football. I, I absolutely just it's just it's just one of my favorite sports. And I am, but I am I am disturbed by this because I'm tired of it, Doctor London. By the by the way, I am so tired of this whole thing. It, it's 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 enough's enough. It just needs to this just the whole thing needs to end. And I think Jerry Jones has made a an attempt by going back into the manual of the player's conduct manual to start to 
kind of reverse this because I think we're just all tired of it as fans. And besides that, the NFL, while it's still making a ton of money, isn't making the money that they were making. I mean, when you compare last year to this year, it's it's certainly down. And then we have somebody like Jameel Hill, who has is not going to apologize for her comments to Jerry Jones, even though she naively does not understand that the very things when she says boycott, she said, I'm not saying boycott the NFL, but boycott the sponsors. Well, what she doesn't understand the young lady is that the very sponsors that sponsor the Dallas Cowboys sponsor you and pay your salary. And, and right, this, right. Is, this is the, this is the thing. And she's not going to apologize for it. And she's already been suspended once for calling the president a white supremacist. Right. But she didn't really get suspended. She got a slap on the hands because she went in there and started crying and, and bawling her head off. And so she didn't get slapped for calling the president a white supremacist, which by the way, I don't even know. I don't even know what the definition of that is and how you prove that or disprove it, but I know how narratives work on that side of the aisle, that if you create a narrative, then you can create that so that that way there's no way you can disprove it. So therefore, it must be true. That's kind of how it operates over there, right, which is not my scientific background. So, I mean, Dr. London, help help me out here. Where, where are we going? What's the answer? Where, what do we got to do? Well, I think what you've got to do is to allow the market work, and you already see signs of that. I mean, the reason why the commissioner in football engaged in a 180-degree turn and said now all players in the NFL have to stand up and salute the, uh, the flag and, of course, the, uh, the national anthem. Uh, he could have said that right at the outset. It's part of the code of conduct for the NFL. All he had to do was refer to the code, but he did not. He stood with the players. Now he's turned around and is taking a very different stance. The guy who has been consistent on this is the owner of the Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs, Hunt, who has made it clear right from the beginning. I don't care if you're a $20 million quarterback, you're a $5 million lineman, you stand for the national anthem or you don't play for the Kansas City Chiefs, period. He made it absolutely clear. There was none of the Jerry Jones business where I'm going to sit down with my team, bend on one knee before the game, and then during the game we're going to stand. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's quite equivocal. You want it both ways. No, the owner of the, of the Kansas City Chiefs said there's one direction and one direction only. And the market now speaks. If you have fewer people who are at the stadium, you have fewer people who are actually watching on TV, revenues start to decline, let me assure you, the NFL is going to take a very different stance. And I'd like to see the same thing happen in the NBA, where you already have a number of players who said they're going to get down on one knee. Great. Let him do it. If I'm owner, the owner of the team, team, I'm going to exercise my First Amendment rights and say you are no longer playing for the Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks, or for that matter, any other team in the NBA. Well, and and that's not going to happen. You, you and I both know that's not going to happen. They're, they're the the players' union. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, I disagree. I think you think it's going to happen in the NBA? Yeah, look what's happened. Look what's happened to the NFL. But um, all I'm saying is, look what's happened to the NFL. Uh, the NBA is a league that is, to some degree, uh, a kind of culturally debased degree uh, the, the organization already. If you have Drake, who is leading the, uh, the all-star break for the NBA, that tells you a good deal about what this organization is all about. But it strikes me that once you start affecting the news, once you start putting yourself in the position where there are fewer people at the stadiums, I can assure you, the owners of these teams are not going to tolerate this. They cannot. If it hurts in the pocketbook, 
it's going to hurt. And that is where, of course, the decisions are made. I'd like to think that there's a principle out here, and the principle is patriotism, loyalty to this country, a belief in the flag, a recognition of the traditions of the United States, a kind of belief that those people who sacrifice their lives in order to allow me to enjoy the privileges of liberty are people who will be recognized and remembered. But that's not the way the NBA owners think in most cases, and certainly not the way the NFL owners think, and not the way in which the commissioner of the NFL thinks. When it hurts in the pocketbook, it hurts. And that is what has happened with the NFL, and that is what I think will happen with the NBA. We're talking to Herb London, president of the London Center for Policy Research. He's also author of a great book that was released earlier this year entitled Leading from Behind the Obama Doctrine and the U.S. Retreat from International Affairs, uh, available through through Amazon and your favorite bookstore as well. And uh, we're talking with him about Vice President Pence walking out on the Indianapolis Colts and how this whole situation of knees and anthems and the craziness that has ensued surrounding this whole thing. And I want to get back because you, you, know, you had written this article about Pence and some people felt it was staged and I don't think I agree with you. I don't think this was staged, but I think that, and I also agree with you that, you know what, listen, the reason why you have the freedom in this, in this country, right? I'm not saying any other country, but the reason why you have the freedom in this country to take a knee or to walk out of a football game is because of the men and women who sacrifice their lives to, for that freedom. That's the reason why we have it to begin with. So let, I think that's exactly, and that point has to be made and remade, and thank you for doing so. That's the point that I'm trying to encourage here. And, and it strikes me that when I played basketball in college and played with the, the, uh, the Syracuse Nats afterwards, even if I didn't put my hand on my heart, the coach would walk up to me and say, what's wrong? <laughs> right. Now, I, so now, it's not even a question of standing or kneeling or even disrespect. It was always a question of acting appropriately because you are paying attention to all of those who preceded you the ancestors who made this country the extraordinary place it is. Right, and, and, and I think what people forget, and, and I had this discussion with uh, one of my friends who we talked about the national anthem thing, and I said, when do you think the national anthem was written? Right, and do you know people think that it was written during the Civil War? And I said, no. The, the national anthem was written during the Revolutionary War. Well, there's this line about freedom and slavery, and I go, right, who were we enslaved to as a country? Who were we enslaved to? The, the, whole, the whole idea of the Revolutionary War was so that we could be free from the British rule. That was the whole reason behind it. But do you realize that people are not taught that in our history class? He had no idea. This is a 47... Well, no one knows the story of Fort Henry. Here no. Here's a British ship about to attack Fort Henry, and they say surrender or die. No one surrenders. And every person at Fort Henry is killed with the shots fired from the, uh, the armada, the British armada. Right. The one thing that was left standing because there were bodies held against dead bodies was the American flag. So when we go through the national anthem, what we are going through is the sacrifice that Americans made at Fort Henry in order for us to defy the British and stand for our independence and our freedom. Now, if you knew that story, would you not stand for the national anthem? 
part of the problem in America is the general ignorance about our history and about the people who gave so much so that we have the privileges that we, we enjoy. Dr. London, this is, this is my problem. We don't teach, we don't teach real history. In our in our in in the in the public school system, which by the way, I'm just going to make this statement, and and I, I don't know why I feel compelled to make the statement, but I'm going to make it. We need to scrap the public school system because it stinks, it's awful. It is. We just need to scrap it. We need to get rid of it. We need to restructure it. We need to do something different because people don't know history, and what the history they're getting is revisionist history, and it's not it's not history that we you and I are talking about. Because when I when I'm talking to a forty something year old, who's who's not even sure when when the national anthem was written and what the national anthem is really about, I am like, that's our public school system right there. That that is the public school system. That that we are that that. Because- well, I, I I think you your point about the public school system is probably accurate, but I my feeling is that it's the curriculum that we have that's really critical. And your point about American history. Is accurate. I don't want the revisionist teaching American history. However, I want a real American history, an American history that deals with a kind of factual analysis of the past. Yes, all of the blemishes in America's past ought to be included, but also the accomplishments. And there are many more accomplishments than blemishes. Yes, slavery was a terrible institution. Okay, Absolutely. I cannot use the probity of the present in order to redress the evils of the past. Absolutely. But I can tell you that I can teach American history accurately and fairly and that's what i think we should be doing well the the, the fort henry story is an absolute I, I to me it's just an absolute necessity it's it's I, I don't understand i remember being taught i remember this being taught in my little country school in nebraska i remember being taught the story and 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 how cool it was to learn about the story matter of fact they showed us i think a little cartoon thing that re-emphasized it when i was in grade school uh, just about how important this thing was and this event was and and now uh, people don't even know, people don't even know i am reading stuff i'm reading stuff a lot that where people are thinking that it's done during the civil war world war 2 and i'm like you people have lost your mind you don't even know what you're talking about by the way we're talking to dr herb london here author of the book <laughs> leading from behind the obama doctrine and the us retreat from international affairs and he's got me all fired up here, i got to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're fired up because you were saying what I've often argued. There is romance in our history. Romance that in some ways is far different from what anyone in Europe has experienced. And when George Washington, who did not win one battle during the Revolutionary War, said to his soldiers who he could not provide any financial support for and could not even provide shoes or boots, said to them, you no longer have to remain in the army. I cannot provide for you. Not one person left George Washington's group. Not one. When Jimmy Doolittle got on an aircraft carrier and said, we've got a one-way mission to Tokyo. We're going to bomb Tokyo. We've got these bombers on this aircraft carrier that have never flown before. We've never put a bomber on an aircraft carrier. We don't even know if this is going to take off. Anyone who wants to leave should leave now. Not one of the 36 volunteers, not one, walked away from that mission. Many of them died. Many of them landed in China. But no one could return. It was a one-way mission. You might even say a suicide mission. 
but they believed in this country and they were willing to do what was necessary. There are thousands of stories of that kind. And I urge you, when you get off the air today, turn to a statement written by, or, or excuse me, uh, uh, na- uh, narrated by my friend Tony LeBianco called Just a Common Soldier, which you can get by going to YouTube, Just a Common Soldier. And it doesn't bring tears to your eyes about those people who are ignored, ignored in our history, and have given so much. The World War II generation is dying out. There aren't many left. But think about the sacrifices the greatest generation made to the welfare of the world, not just the United States. And when President Obama went to Normandy, and he said the United States should not intervene in the affairs of others. What? Normandy is filled with the blood of Americans who gave their lives for others so that Europe in Europe today, they're not speaking German in every country. We are now the nation that has provided for the freedoms that the Europeans enjoy. It's important for people to start understanding what this country has done and what the romance of American history is all about. Wow. We're talking with Dr. Herb London. And uh, by the way, Dr. London, I could not have said that. I, I wish I would have said it. And you, I'm jealous now because you said it. Dr. London is the president of the London Center for Policy Research. He's also author of a fabulous book entitled Leading from Behind the Obama Doctrine and the U.S. Retreat from International Affairs that is available on Amazon, your favorite bookstore. Uh, it also is available as a Kindle version. So if you like your Kindle, you can get that available for you. Dr. Lynn, let me ask you about the book real quick. How's, first of all, how's the book sales going? Well, the book sales are going very well. It's available on Amazon, as you pointed out. And I'd love to hear from your listeners. Uh, there's no doubt that they won't reach me through LondonCenter.org. Always happy to respond to them. So I, I would love to find out what their response is. The book was written not only to point out the flaws of what I regard as the Obama foreign policy, which, by the way, was neither foreign nor policy, but the, uh, the pathway to the future, recognizing the fact that President Trump inherited a very difficult set of conditions. How do we go forward? How do we start thinking about them? That's implicit in the book. So, again, I'm very interested in the kind of response you get from your listening audience. Yeah, I, I, and as an author myself, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to the show right now and you're downloading the book on your Kindle version or your paperback version, do Dr. London a huge favor because I know this is a huge favor to me. Read the book, and if you or if you've already read it, would you please write a review on Amazon or in Barnes and Noble? Write a review what you think of the book because that really is it's really helpful to us as authors, but it's it's helpful also to be able to engage with folks. So. Go to Goodreads, go to Amazon.com, go to Barnes Noble, wherever you can, and and write a review for Dr. London because yes, that is yes. really one of the most helpful things that you can do for us as authors, and we're really grateful for that. So I know that our time uh, is, is, is running short here, Dr. London, but I want to say, first of all, thank you so much, as always, for being on the show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.